Welcome to Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. I am Chris Burns, America's number one motivational speaker for fiery inspiration and GPS coach for entrepreneurs and high achievers. Each episode, we interview leaders and great role models who make a massive impact in the world to help you master yourself, take courageous action, and make every day your best day ever. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam and Patrick are about to come on talking about love and sex, long-term relationships, how to how to spice that up, how to keep the fire lit. So definitely stick around. We're going to be diving in just a sec. Before that, though, I want to say thank you for showing up today, for choosing to be your greatest possible self, for choosing to be here and now to amp up your relationships, or maybe you just want to be the best version of yourself in all areas, and you're just catching this episode, and you're curious about what is to come in the coming minutes. I am I am excited to see as well. Sam and Patrick are going to bring it, so definitely stay tuned. Next, we're going to share our iTunes review of the week. This week, I believe it's by, let's see, Clarice, Clarice Gomez, who says, awesome podcast. Chris, the host of Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self podcast, highlights all aspects of business, entrepreneurship, and more in his Can't Miss podcast. The host and expert guests offer insightful advice and information that is helpful to anyone that listens. Thank you so much, Clarice. I appreciate you. If you want a chance to get shouted out on a future 12-hour live stream like Clarice, go to beergps.com forward slash iTunes or search Greatest Possible Self on the Apple Podcast Store. You can give us a review there. Let us know what you love, what you want to see more of, how we can improve the show for you. Thank you in advance for doing that. I'm going to introduce Samantha and Patrick in just a second. Before that, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, be ready to take notes because this is going to be a spicy juicy interview and we're going to have a lot of fun. So make sure you stick around all the way through to the end because one idea has the power to change everything in you, in your relationship, in your marriage, and your destiny. Okay. Patrick Cullinane is a serial entrepreneur who has started and sold multiple businesses and developed several software applications in the logistics and supply chain industries. His newest project is a company called Zippy, which develops software and services in the real estate space. Patrick also serves on the board of One Life Fully Lived, a nonprofit geared toward helping young people and their, um, find their passion through the entrepreneurial spirit and to dream, plan, and live their best lives. Can I get an amen? Samantha Cullinane began her career climbing corporate ladders to achieve the rank of chief of staff to the president of an international $5 billion company. Eventually, she also took to entrepreneurial endeavors starting a few businesses and then joining Patrick, and now they build businesses together. She has served as the CFO for multiple corporations. Sam is a songwriter and recording artist, and she also serves as a women's, uh, serves a women's mastermind, Symmetry 7. Sam and Patrick have been married for over 20 years, and they would tell you that they are one of the happiest couples they know, but they weren't always this happy. After 10 years of marriage, they signed the divorce papers. During the first 10 years of their marriage, they struggled through, like most people do, trying to navigate their life together without any real tools and realizing they were in many ways opposites, fighting often, having sex less and less, distrust and jealousy rearing their ugly heads, and what they believed was falling out of love. They were under tremendous pressure, as many families are these days, and raising their two children and each of them pursuing their rigorous careers. After a year apart against all odds. They decided to get back together, and since then they've grown their love, their bond, and created an amazing life together. They became students of love, and they never looked back. And they're speaking on it, and they're coaching on it, empowering people to do it. Samantha and Patrick, are you ready to bring the heat? Yes, sir. Absolutely. We are now live on Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. Thank you, too, for being here and sharing your wisdom with us. We're going to dive right into the theme of today, which is keeping the fire lit. We'll start with Samantha. In your perspective, what does that mean for you, keeping the fire lit? Well, I was going to ask you what it meant to you. (laughs) (laughs) Define fire. (laughs) Yeah, because we have this whole, you know, actually science does, too, this whole idea that relationships go through stages. Yeah. So if you are in the honeymoon phase and you want that to last forever, I have very bad news. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't last. It changes. It morphs into something else, something better, we think. So it depends on how you define fire. 
Sure. Sure. Beautiful. So it's all, it's all it sounds like open to interpretation, keeping the fire lit, uh, it really, whatever the couple wants it to mean, then that's what it can mean to them. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Patrick? Um, yeah, I would, I would, I mean, I was the one that Sam just basically stole what I said to her about 25 minutes ago when I we were asking not. each other that question. So no, you had a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it depends. So there's there's several kinds of fire. There's the sexual fire that you have and the passion that you have for somebody. Um, and then there's there's just the the fire or the the um what's the word I'm looking for? Well, it's in your relationship, it's the desire that you have to be with that person. And the in the beginning, there's a lot of things that we put on the side. You know, we our interests, their interests become their interests, and because we're so madly in love, we. And then, as we get a little bit further into the relationship, we start picking our interests back up again. And at that point, sometimes you can drift a little bit apart, and so coming back together is where the fire is. Also, another uh, non-sexual way that I see it happening. But for me, the the answer the answer is simple. Both of them require the same thing, which is intention. Mm. I love it. I love it. Great stuff. So I mentioned a little bit about your journey and uh, the where you guys came from. Tell us a little bit more about the long-term relationship, work that you're doing today, and bigger love, all this great stuff that you're doing. We'll start with Patrick. What, is, what are you guys working on today? Uh, we just launched our uh, second book yesterday. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I don't know if it shows up right way or not the right way. Yep. Marriage. This is the... This is not the right, this is the not for resale copy. This is the author proof that we have, but it's marriage. And under that section, it says from miserable to magnificent. Ooh, yes. yes. Keep the love of your life for the rest of your life. Yes. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Anyway, so we'd written, uh, we'd written a book prior to that, which was called Bigger Love. And um, it was basically our story and then what we've learned uh, after we got back together. So. Um, and then Sam started doing a bunch of research for her TED Talks, which she'll get into when you ask her what she's been up to. Um, and uh, she's, uh, that research kind of prompted her to kind of rework our book. And she did most of the heavy lifting on that, which is why we moved her name to first on the second book. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, Thanks, Sunny. That was a nice prop. We added a whole bunch of science, and then we added a lot more content. Um, there's almost a hundred more pages in this one, but it is kind of a revision of the first book, but we, now I feel like it's a complete book. Yeah. Beautiful. Love it, Pat. I think like 50 of those pages are the bibliography though. Just oh why I, <laughs> I mean, we did a lot of research. Wow. Lots so, and lots. So, um, did you want to add anything about the book or uh, what you guys are working on today and the research that you've done, Sam? Well, I just, I'm excited that I'm excited for this book because, you know, the first book, like he was saying, it's just, that was just our experience. Yeah. It was kind of like, well, that's nice, but maybe it doesn't work for everybody. And then we went and did a bunch of scientific research and found, oh, actually, most of this advice we're giving to people, it can be backed up by scientific research. So I thought that was fascinating and I thought it was worth sharing. Mm. And um, yeah, my so I did two TEDx talks uh, last year, at the end of last year, one in November, one in December. Thank you so much. And um, one of them was released, I don't know, earlier this month, maybe, yeah, about three weeks ago. And one of the other one released yesterday, the same day that our book was launched. Not, it, it's like a fluke because the TED organization controls which, you know, speeches get released yes. at what time and all this stuff. So it was like, yesterday blew my mind. It's wow. so magical. Wow. That thing's got over 4,000 views already, too, in 24 Great hours. Job. Yeah, wow. it's blown up. I'm super excited. I want a lot of people to watch it because I think it has important messages about sex and love and long-term relationships that will it will educate people and help them in their sex lives in their it in also their relationships. Has, it also has a super dorky picture of me in it. So check it out just for that yes. if you want. <laughs> I think it's so awesome. Thanks for letting me use that super dorky picture of you by the way. That's what it's what, all about. What, what, why did you do two TED Talks? Because most people, they do one, they're like, okay, I'm good, you know, or they go back to it years and do another one years later. Why'd you do two? 
pretty well it's this, well what's interesting is i did the same talk okay. two kind of different versions i got the offer to do the one and then started working with somebody that i knew who was like gosh you know you might want to do it at this other place. So I got, I basically got two invitations and wow. decided to do them both, which was, it ended up working well because the first one that I did that we had so many technical problems. I had so many problems with the microphone. I had to restart maybe five or six times during it. I didn't even know if they were going to get a video. They did an amazing job really to get any kind of video, but they took me off stage. I had to change mics. I mean, it was a lot. So I'm surprised they got anything out of it. And then the second one you can tell is so much more. It's smoother. It's a much smaller audience. It was just a TEDx women event up in Park City, Utah. It was a small event, small stage, but that one went so much more smoothly. If you watch both videos, you can just see what's, you can tell something didn't go right for the first one. So it was a blessing I got to do it twice. <laughs> Things work out the way they're supposed to, right? Yeah, it's kind of funny because when you, as a support person, you know, you're trying to deal with her anxiety and, and everybody has fear about going out and speaking, especially like TED Talk. So, you know, I said over and over again, like, what's the worst that could happen? So everybody boos you or so you make a mistake or something. Who yeah. cares? I mean, you know, but to have the mic cut out four times, right. like, restart, <laughs> restart five times. I mean, it was like the absolute worst that can happen to you. Yeah. Go for I'm it. I'm going to realize that. I'm not going to even ask that question anymore because. I was really glad that I practiced so much because he kept saying, God, you're practicing a lot. And I was like, I know. I, I just feel like I really need to practice. It makes me feel better. And he's like, I'm glad you practice that much now too. <laughs> once she hits, once she hits 5,000 views, then there will be as many people on planet who have heard it as many times as I have. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Cause so like, sorry, baby. <laughs> yeah. And, and the practicing so many times really had you integrate the informations and, and your delivery of it so that when life kind of throws a monkey wrench, how are you going to respond? And for those people who have prepared and who have practiced for the opportunity enough, like they're like, all right, let's get back in it. I tried three, four or five times. All right. Fifth time's a charm. Let's go, you know, versus other people who are like showing up, practicing the day before, a couple days before, whatever. It's like, oh, shoot. Like now what do I do? And just like chaos ensues. So I just really kudos to you for, for Thank preparing. You. That's Thank valuable. you. Yeah. yeah. I have a question for you. Do you just fast all day on these, <laughs> these marathon podcasts? Yeah, these marathon it... podcasts are fascinating to us. We're like, wow, how does he do that? What about when you go to the bathroom? Like, what's happening? There's, that's, there's, there's a pun in that. Fascinating. Three, three four-hour <laughs> portions of the marathon. So thankfully, I can jump into the bathroom. It's like right right across from me. <laughs> I'm going to get back in the seat. But it's it's awesome. You know, I like, I love, I love especially when we dive into these topics, you know, it's like, like keeping the fire lit sex it is it's so powerful and people need to hear this stuff so like i just i'm honored to be a conduit to be the host to one i love learning myself so to to be learning all this stuff that you guys are sharing you've you know samantha you spent hours and hours and hours hundreds if not thousands of hours like researching this stuff to be able to curate it and really be able to serve people with it you know like i'm i'm glued i'm glued to this to this experience it's it's so fulfilling for me you know that's yep. awesome. Yeah. It'll help. I know all of all of the advice you get today is going to help you in your own relationship. So that's awesome. Along yes. with your audience. Love it's it. Fantastic. So I want to go back into the journey a little bit. Just touch on it briefly because uh, it was it was getting rocky there for a second, if not <laughs> if yeah. not beyond rocky. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with Samantha. Like, what what do you want to share beyond what I mentioned in your intro about like that time and what you learned from it and what you would maybe do differently or recommend to other couples who might be going through some difficult times. I have a feeling that a lot of people might relate to where I was at that time. And that is, you know, when you have little kids and you got married and you're, you're, you're running the rat race, my job and supporting our family, I made that my absolute number one priority. Yeah. Like it was like job first, kids second, mm. Patty third. <laughs> if you even really made the... <laughs> running. Depending on what I did that day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Good point. So, um, and that was really important to me and I was killing it. I was making lots of money, but I mean, I was gone all the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, I missed a lot of my kids' childhood. And when we decided to get back together, that was one of Pat's criteria and my own. He was like, you know, you can't have your career be number one anymore. You have to prioritize us. 
And I said, I have learned that. I see that because when I, actually, when we um, split up, I moved to Spain oh. and um, took the kids for a little while, but they didn't get their visas. But I was work, that was where my job was. I took a job in Europe and I didn't get to see the kids very often. I didn't get to see my husband and I was miserable. Mm. I was like, wow. And well, I mean, we were, um, we were, yeah, we'd already signed, him. yeah, we'd already signed divorce papers. I didn't really want to see him, but. But I couldn't, the grass definitely wasn't greener either. I wasn't like finding somebody else to date. So <laughs> it was an interesting, because <laughs> there's no time to date. Like when you're the big boss right. and you're in charge of everything and you, you don't have, I didn't have time to date. There was a part kidding? of, there was a part of you that thought I was probably holding you back, holding you down or, or, um, right. Can you say that? Yeah. Well, and I also felt like I made all the money and I was, you know, I didn't, it was sort of like, what do I need you for? Like I have a nanny, I have the kids, I'm making all the money and, and you would hound me for sex and sex isn't my thing. Like I'm not a big touch person, which we can get into if you want to talk about that. Cause I love that. So I'm not a big touch person. He was always hounding me for sex. And I was like, here's a guy that just wants sex, sex all the time. And I feel like, I don't know how he's contributing otherwise. So what, what am I doing here? Yeah. She didn't really understand the concept of uh, being an entrepreneur and how you can write off a lot of stuff before you put down how much money you made on your tax return or so <laughs> she would just look at the bottom line i'd be like you are working for free that's stupid yeah <laughs> but now okay. i have a totally different perspective <laughs> yes and for me i was i was like i was actually just getting ready to turn the corner with my business and i felt like she took a knee on the 99 yard line or the one, <laughs> or the one yard line as it may be but um i uh, well i kind of did so i just gave her the house i gave her everything I just took my car and some of my stuff, like my baseball cards, in a lamp. The important things. In a toilet seat. And then I, um, <laughs> it's a jerk reference. But uh, <laughs> I, because I just wanted to show her, like, okay, well, you think I'm not doing anything? I'll show you what I'm doing. So, mm -hmm. um, and then we ended up in that year apart. But both of us uh, had to kind of figure out, you know, how we got there. And so after six months of blaming her and probably about the same amount of time for her, maybe even longer, I don't know, blaming me, but, um, we got to a little more introspective on what, you know, what do we do to get ourselves to this point? And what was I bringing to the table that, uh, pushed her away? Do you know what I mean? So we, once we kind of figured out our, can you, can you cuss on here? Our yep. stuff? Yep. Okay, shit. cool. <laughs> shit. Once we figured out our shit, and I told her, I mean, I had to get myself to the point where I used, I used to put a lot of my happiness on on Sam. So mm. I had to get myself to the point where I knew I could be happy with or without her. And that was, I think, when I told her that, I was like, look, you know, whatever we Sexy. figure out, I'm going to be fine either way. Mm. Um, I think that was kind of a turning point for her. Like, whoa, something changed. I was like, wow, that's amazing because I didn't ever feel that. I always felt a lot of pressure, Wow. you know? to provide to create happiness for him and he was like no i'm in charge of myself i was like that is sexy yeah and then by the it was only a year apart but by then i was like oh by the way if you want to quit your job go ahead because i got us yeah wow. he's all that year yeah his business blew up he was making plenty of money and i was like yeah i'd love to quit my job and spend some time with those kids i barely know yeah wow wow this this is powerful this is so like especially your your conscious awareness of like everything that went that you went through um i'm sure it's taken time to to be aware of that and to have a, a civil conversation about it and be so open about it and also the difference that you're able to make in other couples like this is this is a real shit you know this is real stuff that like hey i was i was just like feeling like not provided for right and like i'm i'm winning all the bread so sam or pat bye you know like i'm i'm gonna do this on my own anyway yeah it's what's like, the point yeah yeah and, and also pat your transformation into um like like whether i whether we're together or not like i'm gonna be great on my own like i am self-sustaining i am responsible for myself i am empowered and i know i'm great you know so it's like that lack of neediness that lack of um you know like codependency almost like saying hey i'm gonna fill my own cup and have a great life so you can either come with me or you know i wish you the best and like i think that's that's super sexy for a lot of women yeah 
And then we chose each other, you know, Mm. we chose each other again after Mm. spending time together. The other thing too, that happened with, you know, as we were apart, we always giggle about this, but we always were sleeping together, even though we were like, we'd signed the divorce papers. We actually thought we were divorced, but Pat, you know, my, my company would fly him out to Spain to spend time with the kids and he'd always seduce me. So naughty. (laughs) Well, because I mean, again, like I hadn't been touched in months, right? Because again, like I'm working 24 seven, I'm traveling all the time. It's not like, you know, I just had no time and I have my kid, you know, whatever. It just was a lot. So um, we always were sleeping together. And the other thing that that happened during that time, so there was such comfort in that Mm. for me, even though I didn't really like sex, I was like, I kind of craved it after not having any of it for a few months. You know, I was like, oh, actually, I guess I might like sex a little bit um or i or i want that you know that that intimacy i guess Mm. but the other thing is we you know we have two children and um one of our children got hurt when we when we when i was back in utah with them over christmas and it was really really scary and when Mm. patrick showed up at the hospital i had that feeling like you know no one else is gonna love these kids like he does Mm -hmm like I do, like we do together. And I don't, and I don't condone staying in a marriage or any relationship for kids because of the kids. However, if you allow that bond that you have with those kids to strengthen what you have together, I'm all for that. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's don't, don't let it be the only reason why you stay together. Yes. But if it's a good, if, if there's other reasons, you better own that reason. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it gives you a good reason to try again, yeah. you know, yeah. try, like I should at least give it another chance. Mm. And we are big, like if you're at the breaking point in your relationship, you are, or anybody who's listening, it's worth trying one more time, like yeah. learning a few new things and trying again. Cause yeah, but, we think the longer people are together, the better things get. Yeah. And you have to, you, I mean, trying, involves doing things differently mm. right don't try what you've already been doing like yeah. fighting and walking <laughs> away or <laughs> never having sex or what you know whatever you're doing that's that's destructive you have to mm. go and learn different tricks it's a, it's a establish insanity, new right? yeah establish new habits i mean we still we still argue about all kinds of stuff oh, oh, yeah. we don't you know, yes we do no, we don't. yeah we do no we don't yeah, we i do. haven't argued with you <laughs> Sorry. What what I love, I love what you said, um, the longer we're together, the better it gets. And I think that is a uh, almost totally antithetical view that most people have about marriage and about life in general. I think people are like, well, the older you get, the less you can do, the more your body decays, the worse marriage gets. It's almost like there's a a common view that as time goes on, just everything in life gets, gets worse, decays, right? There is a weird idea about that. I I guess I hadn't really given it much thought because my experience is so opposite from that. Mm. You know, the older I get, the more comfortable I am in my own skin, the more, Mm. the better I know myself, the more grateful I am for everything I have and everything I am. I was such an ungrateful little shit, you know, before. The smarter smarter we are than our kids. Well, I don't think that's that's not really happening. No, but our love just beget it because we're together. And I think again, like it has to do with how much effort do you put in? Choosing, you're not putting it. Yeah. You have to choose its intention. Yep. Yep. Same with your life. Like yep. if you choose to just let your body decay and you mm-hmm. let your mind go and you get into a rut of going to a job you hate. Yeah. Life's going to fucking suck. Yep. But if you don't do that and you make different choices and you keep learning and growing and pushing yourself and doing, trying new things, and it's going to be as awesome as it always was. Or better. Even I think better. it's better. Even better. I think it's even better. Yeah. The better it gets, the better it gets. I love it. I love it. I want to talk about the um, research, or I, I guess you, you had this difficult time. You started to come back together. You started to like have the, the conversation. Um, you saw Patrick show up for the kids. Like, what was the moment where you said, "All right, we're going to give this another shot"? Um, well, let's just be clear. He always showed up for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Just not financially in our relationship. Got That's it. how I felt about it. Right, right. Yeah. So she, one of the things she called me up, she, the way Sam used to work is she, to get things done. I mean, she's a five foot two woman, you know, with hundreds and hundreds of men working underneath her and, um, and in a pretty conservative atmosphere. So to, like one of the, to get like, people's... like it was one of those corporations where I'd walk into a meeting where I didn't know anybody yet and they'd ask me to get the coffee and I'd be like, 
oh, I'm not here to get the fucking coffee. I'm in charge <laughs> of this meeting. <laughs> I'm Sam, which was actually, it's funny how that works, right? She, to have a boy's name and then walk into a meeting, they're all expecting a man. It, it was good. Some of it was she, good, but I had bad habits. Yeah, and, and her <laughs> habits were kind of, I, I think on, on one side of her family, they kind of all behave this way. They go zero to, we used to call it zero to pitch. And that's how you get things done. You start yelling. And, um, it worked well in business. It's so sad. but it Oh, did. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I'm ashamed. She was on one of those tears and called me up and said, you know, your tax return says you only made this much. And because of that, you only have to contribute $300 a month, you know, for child support. And that's bullshit. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> you're the one that said that you wanted to do it all on your own. You didn't need me. But how much do you think would be fair? And she's like, well, at least 500 and I said, great, I'm going to put $1,000 a month into a college account for the kids because you don't need the money. I was like, uh, yes, that's awesome. We'll start, we'll just start there. We'll just start building up their college fund. And so that was one, one thing that I did that was different. And then that was um, an olive branch for sure. What, what, yeah. what at that time, Pat, how, what was that thousand dollars like impact to you in your financial, your revenue, your, your monthly income? Was it, was it pretty doable? Was it a stretch for you? Like how, how was that for you? Uh, I was, I was doing consulting where I, I was and and about the time I made the offer, we were already eight months in. So I also made it retroactive. So I'll go back to June. Because I knew I knew what I had coming in the next month, and it was going to be a decent sized check, and I knew I could just put half of it away, and that would get me right back to where, um, you know, that would give me the thousand dollars a month up to that point. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, it didn't it didn't hurt at all. It just gave me, and I still had the the amount of money that I had left over was still way more than I needed, so awesome. it wasn't a big deal. Cool. Cool. So um, it would have been a better story if it was a squeeze, right? right? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want to well, it do did. it, but you know, I did it for the kids, for the family. <laughs> I mean, that's how entrepreneurs work, though. It did, and this is 2006, so you know, we're a year and a half away from basically going two years without paying ourselves because of yeah. when the market turned, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for a little while there, it was easy. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, so how did it evolve back into relationship from there? Um, well, so I, I had gone out on a few dates with this girl and I had invited her to go up to a ski resort and, um, do like a couple's massage and dinner. And she canceled it last minute. Sam also called me within an hour of that and said, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm flying into town. Uh, you want to get together and talk about the kids? And I'm like, we can, and I know a great place we can do it. <laughs> So I just kind of because you have to remember we're talking all the time because of the kids yeah. and yeah. you know so we're still friends we were still friends and we're still sleeping together so it, but like sporadically right because I still live in Europe yeah, maybe but twice or twice in 2006 up to that point so this is in early early May like the first week in May and uh, I'd moved out on May 1st so um, it was about a year exactly to the day that we decided to get split up. And, and were uh, you still fighting even though you were apart? No, any resentment or any anything like that? It was, I mean, I remember that conversation we had about, um, you know, the uh, about the child support thing was in December. That was, actually, that was a big fight. Yeah. And actually, it was funny. I think that's also when I realized part of the reason I was so mad at Pat was because what brought so much anger is I felt like I have, I had to take, I had to miss the children's childhoods because i had to work but the truth is how much is enough like i made enough money for more than just one family by far and so it was it it really was a question of priorities yeah anyway so i took her up there we did the couple's massage we had dinner we ended up getting a room for the night and we just talked a lot and uh um, that was when i told her that, that you know she said she was starting, I could tell by her conversation, her side of the conversation that she was starting to have second thoughts. In other words, she's like, everything's not the way I thought it was going to be. Mm. A lot of, a lot of your, cause I would tell her too. I was like, look, I think your boss has like a crush on you. I think, you know, and, and some of it was unhealthy jealousy, but yep. there was also something in my gut that told me it was, it wasn't sitting right, you know? Mm. And so she's like, and it turns out you were right about that. 
And, uh, you know, so a couple of those things, and I could tell that she just kind of wanted out of the situation she was in. And, um, and I told her, well, well, I'm, you know, I still love you and I know that we could probably make it work, but I've got a couple of things that, um, but I also know that I'll be happy with or without you. So whatever you decide. Um, and, um, and then we decided to give it another shot and, and I told her, okay, well, here's a few things that. I've picked up over the last year that I don't want to give up because they mm. kind of, you know, and, and she said, well, here's some things. So we basically came to the table with new rules and then, um, and then she quit her job because she realized that her job was consuming her. Yeah. And it's not that I didn't want her to work. I just wanted her to understand that she would make the job number one and that it, it shouldn't, it can't be number one mm. <laughs> ever. I mean, it yeah. can I think it can in small sprints. Yeah. Yeah. You can do small sprints of it being number one. I think that's actually required to get places sometimes, but when the sprint lasts for 10 years, that's too long. (laughs) It's too long. If the, if the family, if, if any of your family members start feeling like they're second to the job, Mm. in other words, you can sit down and say, guys, the next six months are going to be hell. Yep. Here's what I promise you. When we get done with that, here's what we're going to do. In other words, so you're sitting down with them, you're setting the expectation, you're working out together, and then you follow through, then your family should never feel that way. So to to Sam's point, they're sprints, and everybody can work together to get through them. But if people start feeling secondary to job, work, and work personnel, then it's not any good. Yeah, again, it's about your priorities and making sure that you're true to what really matters. And in all honesty... We all need money to, you know, be fed and get clothing and live in the home. But really, my belief is, and I know Patty agrees with me, we, were, we really think that what you're here to learn here on the planet is not how to make money, not how to have a bigger house, not how to have the best car. It is to learn how to love each other. Yep. It's, it's to learn how to love ourselves yep. so much that it spills over and we love everyone else. Yep. So and if you're not prioritizing that, I just, I think you got your head on a little. Sam, Sam said earlier that her priorities were her job, kids, and then me. But the truth is, it was her job, the kids, resting for her next, for the job for next week. Yep. And then me. <laughs> so yep. she still would, the job, the job, yeah. the job, she the would, kids, the she job. She would bust her ass Monday through Friday, get home yeah. late Friday, and then need to sleep most of the day Saturday to rejuvenate. Mm. And then want to get up and spend time with the kids because she hadn't spent much time with them. And then I, I'd have like an hour in there somewhere where if it was convenient, you know, we'd do something together, but it, it didn't usually happen. So the kids were secondary, you know, I was secondary and that's kind of how we ended up where we were. But then getting back together, one of the things that we, uh, that we decided, you know, one of the new rules was, you know, we've learned a lot about ourselves. Let's keep doing that. Mm. Cause I like where I am now. You know what I mean? I don't, and I also know that I don't know everything. I thought I did a year ago, but in the last year, I learned, <laughs> I learned that even the most simple things, like um, don't try to control that which you cannot, mm. which I'd heard a thousand times in my life, and then realized that that's exactly what I was trying to do. You know what I mean? Mm. So you couldn't ever control me. Mm. You still can't. Well, can I, didn't, I wasn't, but it wasn't the. I wasn't trying to control you in a certain way. I was, I was. I was focused, worried, and upset about things that I had no control over. So I wasn't being controlling. I was ruminating on the fact that you didn't have control. Mm. Well, yeah. Why doesn't she feel this way? I don't have any control over how you feel. So <laughs> that was the kind of stuff I would do. You know. Wow. Wow. This is gold. This is, this is gold. I love the self-awareness. So um, you kept saying, hey, let's keep growing. Let's keep being open mm-hmm. to these types of conversations. And then at what point did you say, hey, we want to really teach people about this stuff and, sh- and share it? It's so, only been a few years, right? Yeah, we started um, kind of diving into uh, some different types of, um, I don't know, we just kind of became students. And Sam, Sam would read the book and then she'd tell me about it. And then I'd tell everybody I read it too. And, um, <laughs> that is kind of how it works. She's done that with I give him. Books. I give him the like, cliff. Oh, the tell cliff him that notes. thing you told me about that book you read. <laughs> that we read. I mean, so 
uh, one of them was like the five love languages, which is kind of a big aha for us because I'm a huge touch guy. And so I was yeah. always like touching. I was always like, why are you touching me so much? I have like the bubble like, <laughs> oh, that's a lot of touching. So you I was know? showing love the way I wanted, you know, yeah. and and, then and I, was, I was always doing chores, like extra chores for him and cleaning service, the kitchen, yeah. active service. Yeah. And he'd be like, and he which I was give, the antithesis of. He could that. not give two shits I made shits a lot of that work that. for her. So yeah, he, he still does. This is th- like, this is something else that I think is really interesting as part of the research. So we still argue about the same shit we always argued about. He takes his clothes off in the living room. I'm like, who takes their clothes off in the living room? I mean, he doesn't pick it up. It, it's not, it's yes, not when yes, I have to bake is. the clothes up later. Or he can leave dishes in the, di- in the he can leave dishes in the kitchen for a week probably. Not and, a week. Okay, days. okay, a few days. <laughs> Six I'm like, days. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, but I wouldn't. But, be- but the statistics say, but the studies say, sixty nine percent of all arguments in relationships are never resolved. Wow. 69%. And that's why that's such a great number. Because I know how to resolve it for a few minutes. <laughs> Get to yeah, the bedroom. <laughs> 69%. So isn't that interesting, though? So it's not yeah. really about whether you argue or not. It's about how you argue. It's yeah. about who you're being while you're arguing. And it's about listening and hearing and understanding. I mean, I'm never going to be a neat freak. So well, and so there's that do, too, right? I can I can work myself up trying to control him, or I can yeah. be I can work on being more relaxed oh, about yeah. having his clothes on the floor. Yep. And when I'm in a, and I will pick it up only if I am not feeling resentful when I do it. Right. That's yes. my new rule for myself. Like yeah. I'll just let it sit there if I'm yeah. like, oh, why doesn't he pick up his stuff? And then I'm like, no, I have to leave it. Sometimes she'll make a little game out of it. Let's see how long it takes. Yeah, how long is he going to notice before he notices? Because she's gotten so good at at not letting it bother her, she'll forget that she was playing that game and won't notice when I actually do it. And then tell me, well, your stuff was sitting out there for over a week. Oh, it wasn't. I picked it up like that day. Oh. (laughs) Well, I was thinking the last time. Last time it definitely sat there for over a week, but this time. So I love I love that we're already diving into the um, the the data. I want to get into that as well because I think that's that's super important. And Sam, you've collected so much. Like, what else do we get to know about long term relationships and having conversations? What other, what other data really stood out for you? Well, let me Let's think. Give us some sex data. That's my favorite. All right. So here's here's a couple. Here's a few gems. And a lot of this a lot of this research that comes from um, this long term relationship kind of research comes from Dr. John Gottman, who's a brilliant researcher. He has his own like relationship lab, and so a lot of this a lot of these statistics come from his research. Yeah. One of the statistics that I, that we learned also from Gottman is that a, a relationship can survive in his, in his research. If for every one difficult engagement, whether that's arguing or anything that's kind of not a good um, interaction, as long as you have five good ones mm. to that one, mm. that's the magic ratio. Five positive. Five for positive negative. for every one negative interaction. A different statistic, which I like just as much, and it, it's only been it's only been proven by two scientific studies, but I think that's, I think that's kind of legit because they did sort of the same, the same study back in the seventies. What they found was that for every one negative interaction, if you had sex twice, it had the same results. Wow. So you you fight once, you got to have sex twice or you can have five positive interactions. This is way harder. He says that, but then he makes a joke and like, this was already a positive interaction because we're both giggling. Yep. Yep. Um, What else? Another interesting thing about interactions is I think for a lot of times when we're interacting with our partner and Mm. something bad is happening, we really focus on Mm. how do I respond to the bad things that are happening in their lives, you know, and that's important. I'm not, I'm not negating the importance of that. However, research has shown that how you treat your partner's good news yeah. is actually more important than the bad news. No, no, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. So if you come home and you say, honey, I got a promotion. And your partner's like, oh, 
well, are you going to be able to handle that promotion? Yeah. Are you going to be able to handle that promotion or what, what do you think that's going to mean for our lives or who's going to make dinner? Yeah. What's for dinner? Oh, that's nice. (laughs) What's interesting is so you, that first one, that first example I'm using is really bad, right? You think, Oh my God, what an asshole. But somebody who just says, Oh, that's great. What's for dinner? That's the same response in yeah, this, the just, research. Those were the same responses because yeah. they're not, there's no enthusiasm. Dismissing. Yeah. It's just Dis- like it's dismissive. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's kind of passive. Right. But, so you have to like actively enthusiastically be like, yes, I'm so proud of you. This is so great. How do you want to celebrate? You know, take it up a notch. Yeah. And some of it, some of it, I mean, you can, there's, there's been more benign versions of that that are just as bad which is like okay she gets home late she has these great this great news and it's like okay honey that's great i want to hear all about it but we got to get in the car because we got to go somewhere Mm. and then you can get sidetracked and i've 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 seen this happen before where um with us i don't remember if it's happened with us or not maybe probably but it's I, i don't think it's been massive news but there was something cool i wanted to tell you and then you get going out the door and you get sidetracked and everything else and then i'm just Later, I was like, I wonder if she's even going to ask me what was really cool that I wanted to tell her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know my my girlfriend, um, she likes to celebrate a lot of stuff, right? And I I do my best to be there. But I also love what you're saying about like really taking that energy and the celebration to the next level. Like, that's so awesome, babe. Like, just intentionally, like, she's sharing it with me for a reason, you know? She's mm-hmm. sharing it with me almost like to check in. Like, I'm, I'm proud of myself, and I want you, I want to express this with you so you can celebrate with me so that we can be together in it. And it's also a gauge of, hey, how is how is he responding to this? And if I celebrate it with her, then she knows that we're in good rapport. She knows our relationship is going well. And if I I'm not so like hot about it, then she, she might feel some distance. She might feel some, Hey, like what, what's going on? Like, why, why are you not super jazzed about it? Like you usually are when, when we both celebrate something that's important to us. And so I think like that emotional intelligence and empathy and sensory acuity of what's happening in the relationship, it's important to pay attention to the, to the signs. It is. If you think back on all of your greatest memories in your life. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I have a bunch of friends that, that college, they just can't get enough of it, <laughs> you know? And, um, but some of the greatest memories that you've had in your life, there was somebody there that you shared them with. And that person is usually somebody that's a lifelong friend. Mm. Um, and, and it's because of that shared experience. So this is that chance, you know, to yeah. share an experience. There's also, again, going back to the research, because I just love that. Yes. There is research that shows that sharing the experience with someone else your your positive news with someone else and having that person get excited mm. brings you more satisfaction and pleasure oh, yeah. than the experience itself wow. so reliving that experience with someone else is more important than the actual experience because again life's about connection it's not about what we do it's how it's what how who we're being while we do it and sharing that with other people I, I, I love that like, the research showed. That. I feel like that a great example of that is 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 giving. You know, when you do something really yeah. cool for somebody, but you don't tell anyone, it's super hard to give it to yourself. <laughs> really, 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 really hard. To me, that's like almost like enlightenment. It's like, guess what I did today? Guess what I did? <laughs> well, yeah, because because it's cool, right? I mean, yeah. and you may not want to share, it, you know, on Facebook, but you got to share it with at least one person, and so that's. That's kind of what we're talking or about. Or maybe you're enlightened if you don't need to. And that there's that whole <laughs> shared experience thing goes right back to there's a bunch more data that we've talked about. I'm not going to be able to talk directly to it. Sam will probably be able to jump in on this one. Um, but like date night, you know, with your mm. significant other, um, if you can create a a shared experience outside of going to city, you know what I mean? Whereas you're going to a movie together and you're both staring at that's not necessarily a shared experience, but trying to do something a little bit different each time. Yeah. Uh, and kind of even if it's like walking around a different block yeah than you normally do that idea that where you're experiencing new and different things with your partner that creates a sense of intimacy Yep. there's also this other idea of savoring which is you know setting a date and looking forward to it talking about what you're going to do talking about how you're, you know, whatever is going on and really when then getting there and really enjoying it 
but mm. like that looking forward to something is yeah. also creates intimacy with your partner, that anticipation, even of like, if you schedule sex, people are like, I don't want to schedule sex. That's, but actually it, it's, it's not a bad, it's not a bad way to do it because you can have it to look forward to. And then when you get to that, when you get to the actual experience, you can really savor it. Mm. You, can, you can buy some stuff. Yeah, and you can buy whatever you want to it's make like, it hey, more I'm get exciting. Her a new outfit, so that she looks sexy at dinner, and then when we have our <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, so, we've been like trying out new lubes lately. So <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. I think I think the openness to have these discussions is a sign of a healthy relationship, right? Like being able yeah. to to talk about what what gets us off, what stimulates us, what gives us pleasure. It's so important in a relationship. And I think we can tell how healthy is a relationship based on how how free do we feel we are to talk about sex, to talk about like some of our most intimate aspects of our life. So I'm curious, what have you found around um, data studying around sex and uh, having a great sex life and how it impacts the relationship, Sam? So this is great. You just like, you just pull out a red carpet so I could roll this out. (laughs) So this is so interesting. Marriage, you can work on your marriage as hard as you want, like communication and arguing and being your partner's biggest fan and all these things. And that doesn't lead to better sex life. The research shows that that doesn't, making a fantastic marriage doesn't lead to better sex. A lot of people believe that, but that isn't what the research says. Interestingly enough, working on your sex life improves your sex life and also improves your marriage. Yeah. So you get like a two for one. If you can figure out your sex life, it will improve your marriage. And so this goes back to like being, figuring out how to open up enough to talk about what pleases you and to listen to your partner, what they like and what they don't like. It's just as, it's just as important by the way, to talk about, and maybe more important to talk about what turns your partner off Mm. as it is what talk about what turns them on. I think we're all so focused on what turns them on, but that's, that's not as important as finding out what turn, like the turn offs. Here's a good example of that. If Sam comes to me and says, we're going to try Imago, mm-hmm. you got to repeat back to me or however it works. I don't, we've looked into a little bit, but we're not. Patty, Patty not has invested. zero patience for that. So <laughs> that's not going to improve our sex life in any way. It's going to probably take me in the opposite direction. Um, but if I get, that's a limpic move for sure. If I get, <laughs> if I get, if I get laid first, then I'm like, oh sure, honey, I'll give that a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's. I mean, that's kind of an extreme example, but I definitely have a better demeanor. I feel more relaxed, and I'm definitely more open to giving to our relationship. If um, you know, the mental part of our relationship, if the physical part's already taken care of. So Well, and like let's just talk about sex and all the the hormones that rush through your body. Like yep. there's all these feel good hormones rush through your body, like mm-hmm. dopamine and oxytocin, all these great things. You feel good. Yep. And when you feel good, what they found too, this is more research, is you know, the idea of pillow talk, it's a real thing. Because yep. after you've felt that with, with your partner, it relaxes you, it creates a, a physical intimacy, and then that opens you for emotional intimacy because you are more willing, this is what the research shows, to divulge personal information after a sexual experience. So the physical intimacy does lead to emotional intimacy, even though most people think it works the other way. And the so- research just doesn't really support that. So the the common misconception or the standard way of thinking is like, hey, if I talk enough, if we emotionally vulnerably open up, then the physical intimacy will come and it's it actually can be the opposite. And it's like, well, when I focus on stimulating my partner's needs and f- fulfilling those and, and giving them pleasure, then the emotional and intellectual uh, aspects of the relationship and connection and intimacy open up yep it opens it opens both partners to that possibility that emotional intimacy it goes all the way down to the most simple concept of you you kind of got to give to get and the more Mm. you give usually the more you get so but you just can't keep score 
yeah, don't keep score in any part of your relationship. It's just such a bad idea. Hmm. What, what, what causes that and why is it so detrimental to the relationship? Well, it causes resentment if you do it and you think the score is wrong. I mean, and I think I've never met anybody in the relationship who's like, yeah, my partner definitely gives more than I do. They were both like, no, I give more. No, I give more. So they feel like. <laughs> and I've never met anybody in a relationship that thinks their partner keeps the right score. So, yeah. And they're like, what up? You didn't count this and blah, blah, blah. It yep. just causes resentment if you're trying to tally everything yeah. because it just. Because life's not fair in neither relationships. Hmm. Like he has shit that bugs me and I, he, I do stuff that bugs him. And that, again, most of that probably isn't going away and it's just learning. Well, sometimes we do things that are nice for each relax. other that we don't notice as much. Or, you know, I mean, there's just the keeping score thing. It just is a fail. It never, it never pans out. That, that's one that we see um, with the love languages a lot. People who are like, well, I, talk, I spoke your love language yesterday, mm-hmm. you know. So you owe me. That's not really how love works. Love is give and give and give. And if you get something back, then you'll be, you know. We have a, we have a just say you yes. You will get something back if you keep giving, I promise. We call it a just say yes challenge where it's just say yes to sex for 30 days, no matter who you're, well. Yeah. No matter which partner asks for it, no matter who. <laughs> and, uh, that would be a whole different kind of a thing. Yeah. So, um, but there, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of kept a little bit of data on that. And there's been a handful of couples that are like, Oh, I did. He's a touch guy. He's going to love this. And, or she's a touch, you know, they're going to love this. And then, you know, a week, a week to 10 days in, they're like, well, we quit doing it because I was, I was doing that for them, but they weren't speaking my love. They weren't doing the dishes. They They still didn't do the dishes. You can't have sex expecting your partner to do do the dishes, but maybe you can make an arrangement before you do it. Like, Oh, you know, like, Maybe you could make some kind of agreement, but it's not like I put out, so now you have to do the dishes. Or mm. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And also, uh, I heard something in that the um, like the expectations when we expect mm-hmm. the other person to to do something, it's almost like we don't don't like we we're being watched and we're being there's like pressure, and then we stop feeling safe, we stop feeling trust because the score is being kept like. Like, oh, is she gonna is she gonna notice this? Like, and it's on it, it, the generosity escapes because it's like, well, I feel yeah. good giving, and now it's no, I'm just doing this to perform. I'm I'm doing this to be worthy. I'm doing this so that they want to keep me around. Back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's totally totally no bueno. So I wanted to comment on that, and then yeah. also the sex every good day observation. For, thank you, thank you, and, and sex every day for thirty days. Tell us a little bit more about that and what. What could that do to someone's relationship and why do you advocate it? So we don't say sex every day. Okay. We say sex anytime either person wants it. Say yes. Got it. Sex Got it. anytime either one wants to do it. Say yes. Just say yes. Yes. Um, sex every day is fine, but... <laughs> Let's get some science on that. I know the science. You want me to tell it? The science is this. Um you don't have any greater benefits, marital satisfaction or sexual satisfaction in your relationship, doing it more than once a week. Mm. Once a week wow. is like the sweet spot. Wow. Sweet spot. wow. However, but I'm going to tell you this. There's also studies that show that rejection creates a, a, a wall to emotional intimacy. So the reason we don't say sex every day is because we don't think you need to do that. Right. But if you're rejecting your partner, it's creating resentment between, because he's going to resent me for saying no, and I feel guilty for, for saying no, and it, it creates a wall. So we say as long as you're not rejecting your partner, try to get to at least once a week. But we have sex. Patty and I end up having sex more than once a week, mostly. Well, if you want your partner to have a healthy prostate, you need to go you get 60%. 21 time, 21 ejaculations a month. Yeah. For a wow. To get to so 40% those, less risk of prostate, prostate cancer. Wow. Some of those can be self-administered though. Yeah, sure. he can do it himself. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did, I had no idea about that statistic. That is that's intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and that came out of that's a study coming out of Harvard. Wow. Two, actually two over like 20 years. It was, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, 
We thought there were nerds Back. up there. Barbara. <laughs> Now we, yeah, know. now we know. Now, now we, we know. don't. Now we know what they're doing. Ejaculating all the time. Uh, oh my gosh! Well, I I love this. Um, and then for I want to dive into the rejection a little bit more. Is there any time where it doesn't hurt or doesn't feel like rejection? If you say no, like, or does it like? Is that kind of a a rock solid? Anytime one person asks and there is an is a decline, uh, you know, like no thank you, or you know, in the most sweetest, generous, beautiful way possible, does it always detract and, and create discord, or is there a healthy way to say no or healthy way to ask and not feel rejected? What do you do? You know anything? On yes that? and yes, yes and yes on all three. So um, the research, you know, I don't think I I haven't seen any research that gets into that much detail. But I, but it doesn't mean it isn't out there. It just means I haven't sure. read it. But, you know, there's the first time that we we did, we tried this experiment on our own, I probably pushed the envelope a little bit. I'm like, okay, just say yes. Um, let's go in this closet right here. You have to say yes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. That's not. So there's an altruistic, altruistic ask as well. Right. So in other words, look around, make sure that it's a good time, make sure that you both can focus, make sure you can both be present and, and try to get each other, you know. Well, I mean, I think the point of the altruistic ask is that you're not asking for your partner to pleasure you. You're asking for permission to pleasure your partner. And there's a difference, right? You're not asking to, to get, you're asking to give. And I don't think when Pat's pulling me into the closet that he's thinking, Oh, I'm really wanting to give Sam, you know, a beautiful orgasm because you know the closet's probably not going to work for me. That but way. there are there are times. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Maybe it's a wild day. But. We also we also have another one that we call it taking one for the team. In other words, it's like yeah, like I'll say yeah and be like yeah, I'm not going to get off this time. Like we are, we have stuff to do. Like just you hurry. get a boner in the shower and but you've got to be on the road in ten minutes and it's like all right, just do me real just quick. Just go ahead and, we'll... and yeah. <laughs> Take, take me, me. The team. take me, <laughs> do it, baby. And again, that's it. an act of giving, right? Yes, yeah. yes. This is this is gold. I love it. Um, so let's wrap up with just the, about the book and uh, what you guys are out to accomplish with that and how to get it. We can just dive in real quick about the book. All, All right. right. The book was released on Amazon yesterday, and you can get the Kindle or the paperback copy there. And the audiobook should be out by March. We don't know March fourteenth. <laughs> Well, it's already recorded, and then you send it into Audible, and they have to approve it. So who ah, knows? Said it could be up to thirty days, but we'll let everybody know on Facebook and our website. We'll have it, and you can just keep cruising Amazon. Yeah, the uh, Amazon's going to want to get it out there super fast. It's too so, good to sit yeah, on the fence for so. sure. And then we're writing another book this year to the next eighteen months. We haven't really, and that one's going to be more focused on sex and what. This is a surprise just for your audience because I've always been telling everybody that Sam's going to write that book, but I've decided that I'm going to contribute a small part to the book. Whoa, you didn't uh, even tell me that. That's just like a big reveal. I want to research more. I want to get more into the... Your boner herbs Yeah, stuff. boner herbs. Because <laughs> when you get older, Iron there's baited. a dip in testosterone, there's a dip in libido and all those things. And, and Andropause, which is like male menopause. It's a real thing. And far too many people are just letting their doctor put them on testosterone. And it's not oh, healthy yeah. for you. And, or the uh, Viagra or whatever. Yeah, so I, I want to try the... I want to contribute some chapters to the non-pharmaceutical approach. Great job. Improving libido and testosterone. Good job. Champion. Love it. Love it. So So again, what were you going to say, Sam? Oh, the book is Marriage from Miserable to Magnificent. It's available on Amazon. Our website, you can find us. You can email us. I don't think our phone numbers are on there, but feel free to reach out to us. If you have any questions, like we're around, it's biggerlove.com. That's where our other book is. We also have a podcast called the Not So Perfect Couple Podcast, and you can I saw I saw also. your your mug. Is my that, mug? Is it, oh yeah, yeah, my mug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are not so perfect. And actually, what's even funnier is like you can see I'm falling apart on the back of it. It's our swag. We got almost got cheap swag. But the in our in this book chapter four goes way into detail about our 30 day experiment. Um, I also did some preliminary research on the. Herbs I was just telling you about that's oh, in there. Herbs. Um, our whole story is in there. You can um, learn all about the benefits of sex from my TED my TEDx talk, yeah. which is called Sex, the New Wonder Drug. There's two of them out there with the same name, with the same mind. 
but watch the one from Park City because I think it's a little better. Awesome. It's not on cool. It's not as big of an audience and the stage isn't quite as cool, but I do a better job explaining it all. <laughs> and then we're also on Instagram under Not yeah, So we're Perfect on Instagram. Couple. I love it. Not So Perfect Couple. Oh my gosh. Facebook See, you, too. You two are just on fire, doing amazing things. I'm, I'm so stoked for this next book, Pat, to see you really, you know, step up to the, to the research plate, so to speak. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see, we'll see, right. If the, if the research is going to be in there. <laughs> Wait, I mean, step up the firmness of my microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But you two, you two are so much fun. I appreciate the work that you're doing and let's create some more bigger love in the world. And everyone who's tuning in, go get the book marriage from miserable to magnificent. Check out their other book, check out all the great stuff that they got coming out and their podcast, Sam and Pat. Thank you so much for being here. Chris, thank you so much for having us. This has been so fun. You have such great energy. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in. Right now, we've reached the end of this episode, but this is the start of a whole new beginning. Each and every moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite your story. Right here, right now. Decide and commit who you are going to be. Think about how you will use these ideas, wisdom, and inspiration to make the difference in your life. What actions will you take today and every day to step into your greatest possible self? Again, a big shout out to our sponsor, EmployeeEscapePlan.com. If you're committed to learning how to truly harness your abilities and passions to serve the people who are hungry and desperate for what you have to offer, make a great income off of your genius, or if you're ready to get more clients to pay you more money, head over to www.employeeescapeplan.com and let Joe know you were sent by Chris. Did you enjoy this episode? Let your friends know about it. Share the website, beyourgps.com, and send me some love on social media. If you want to clarify your vision, uncover blind spots, get more energy, tap into your flow, and take massive action, head over to beyourgps.com forward slash coaching to schedule some time into my calendar. Now, master yourself, create your reality, and make every day your best day ever.